This morning, we'll continue our study in Hebrews. We're looking at chapter four this morning. So if you have a copy of God's word, turn to Hebrews chapter four. We'll be looking at verses one through 11. We'll be speaking on the topic, the rest of faith. Listen to God's word. Therefore, therefore, focuses back to what writer has already said. His focus has been the people of Israel in the Exodus and how they refused to enter enter the land of Canaan because of their unbelief. Based on this, he says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listen. For we who have believed enter that rest as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. This is God's. Holy Word. We have been looking at the example of the nation of Israel, the people of Israel in the wilderness. They came out of Egypt. We remember that, right? They came out of Egypt uh, by the mighty hand of of, of God, the powerful hand of God. God opened the Red Sea for them. Uh, God uh, sent all kind of uh, plagues to Egypt. Uh, By his mighty power, the the people of Israel, the people in the wilderness, uh, in the Exodus, they saw all of these works. And not only that, they they, uh, participated in in the the blessings that that God poured out uh, while they were in the wilderness. Uh, God provided bread for them. He provided water along the way. And God provided mightily for these people. And, And and. And they made a commitment 
uh, in Exodus 20. They made a, a commitment at the at the foot of Mount Sinai to to do all that God requires of them. They they made this. They saw God's works. They made a commitment to obey God. What did they do? They disobeyed God. Time and time again, they grumbled and complained. They never trusted God. They gave the appearance that they believed in God. They, they gave the appearance that they were following God. But when it came time to put what, you know, their trust in God to work, when it came time for them to enter the land of Canaan, they didn't enter. They, they disobeyed. God promised them the land of Canaan. God promised them the land of Canaan, which was the rest that he was giving them. But they refused to enter. This was the apex of their unbelief, refusing to enter the land of Canaan and refusing to enter the land that God promised to give them. And so the, the, the author of Hebrews has been using this for us, for, for his audience, for the people that he's writing to. But he has been it's for us as well that that we need to 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 heed that there's a danger. There's a danger of drifting away from from faith in God. There's a danger for us from drifting away from faith in Christ. That there's a danger of coming to church Sunday after Sunday, hearing the word of God, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and not responding to that gospel. There's a danger of hardening the heart against God's promise for us even today. And, And we read in. In chapter three, verses 13 and 14, that there's a promise that God, there's a promise that that still applies to us today. There's a promise uh, in Christ. There's a promise of rest we have in Christ that is promised to us today. If we persevere to the end, if we persevere to the end, that promise applies to us. But there's also the 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 promise of not entering that that rest if we rebel against God. And so let's look at our text as the author. Now he continues to make application to Psalm 95 verses seven through one. And and he starts verse one with therefore. Now there's a rest that remains for God's people. And, and what we will see here that we need to fear, least you and I do not enter that rest. Look at verse number one. He says, therefore, he's drawing a conclusion. He's reaching back to chapter three. He had just said that that Israel was unable to enter God's rest because of their unbelief. So he's 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 grabbing that and he's he's now he's given uh, application to that. So he says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, the the, the author is saying that there's a, a rest of God that is still available. There, the, the promise of God's rest is, is still available. Uh, it didn't end with the people of in, in Israel uh, in the wilderness. There's a rest that still remains. What is this rest? Well, this rest was originally the, the promised rest of the land of Canaan. And, and, and this is what uh, David referred to uh, uh, specifically in uh, Psalm 95 verses 7 through 11. So let's turn over there real quick because this is will be the focus of the writer of Hebrews. Again, in our text, Psalm 
through 11. And I'll just read it real quick because we're going to look at this again. We're going to focus upon this. Said in verse seven, for uh, he is our God, and and we're to we're the people of his pasture and the seat the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as at Meribah, as on the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work for forty years, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Uh, David is using this psalm as an illustration for the people that he is writing to in his day. Technology is failing me up here. <laughs> but he's using this this psalm. And notice the last verse. He says, therefore, uh, I swore in my, this is referring to God. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. The psalmist is using this passage as a, a current deterrent to not hardening or to hardening your heart, to drifting away from Jesus Christ. He says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, there's a promise of rest that is for God's people today. We see that it starts in, look what he says in verse number one again. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you seem to have failed to reach it. There's a promise of God's rest that still remains for the people of God, for the people that the Hebrew writer is writing to. And for us, as we read this, there's a rest that still remains for us. And we're going to talk about that, that rest. What is that? What is that rest? Again, this, this originally referred to the, the Israelites entering into Canaan, but there's a, a future rest. There's a, there's a Canaan really was a, a type of rest. It was a type of uh, a eternal rest that God has promised to his people in Christ. Remember in Matthew 11, verse 28, uh, 28 through 30, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ said, come unto me and I will give you what? Rest. There's a rest that the, the, this is the rest. This is the eternal rest that God has promised to his people that was that was exemplified in Canaan. Canaan was a type of eternal rest that God promised to his people. So the, the, the writer says, if, if, if the opportunity to enter God, God's rest remains, 
He, he is, this is what this therefore is focusing on. Therefore, while the promise of any of his rest remains, if the opportunity to enter God's rest remains, if the generation that, that perished in the wilderness did not enter Canaan because of their unbelief, he, he concludes that this is his conclusion. Therefore, while the promise enter, of entering his rest still stands, notice that he says, let us fear. This is his conclusion. If, if, the, if there's a promise of God's rest that still remains, there's a, 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 a godly fear that we need to have. And notice that he says, who is, is let us. The author is including himself in this. He's including himself in this, in this admonition, in this exhortation, in this command. He, he is including himself in this. And we see two things here. This is, this is the, the author. He has a pastoral concern for the people that he's writing to. And he is exhorting the people of God to have the same kind of concern that he has. Uh, there's a responsibility for the elders of the church, the leaders of the church. And this same responsibility falls upon each of us uh, as individual members of the church of Jesus Christ. Which, uh, he says, let us fear that there, there is no passiveness to the, to, to the Christian life. There is no passiveness to our corporate life as a body. This is, this is something that, that, that we're, we're to be doing. That the, the, he's writing to the Hebrew Christians, and this, this is what they're to have. Let us fear, he says. What does he mean by let us fear? What, what, is, what does he mean by, by let us fear? The, the, the idea of fear here is that the congregation must not, they, they must not take God lightly. They, they must not take unbelief lightly. This is the fear that, that the congregation is to have, is to not take God lightly, not to come, uh, not to gather together and take God lightly. Hear his word and take him lightly. We, 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 we must, even for us, we must fear unbelief in the church. This should be something that we all are concerned with, is, the, is unbelief in the congregation. Just as the, 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 the David was, was concerned with the, the uh, unbelief uh, among the people that he was writing to, we too are to be concerned about unbelief in the congregation. It can happen. There can be people today who are gathered here who really have not believed in Jesus Christ. And, and, and because of this, we should fear. We should take God's word seriously and bring and give and, and, and pray that they receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we took, if we truly feared God, if we truly took him serious, we would not stand idly by while somebody in this congregation that meets with us walk in unbelief. We, that's, that's what he's saying. This should be the fear. We should, as a congregation, we should be fearful that, that somebody is gathered here with us or somebody is watching online and they are walking in unbelief. That should be a great concern of ours because God is deadly serious about unbelief. God is serious about the promises that he's making his word. God is serious about that. And if God is serious, we should be serious. We should be serious about unbelief. To, to show you an example of someone who was serious about the uh, uh, people obeying God, turn to Numbers. Turn to Numbers 14 and look at Joshua and Caleb's response 
to the people's disobedience. Numbers chapter 14, starting at verse number one. The, the God has commanded in chapter 13 that Moses sent out spies into the land of Canaan. The, the, the spies went into the land of Canaan. They spied out the land. They came back with a report. There was uh, the majority of the, uh, the, 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 those who, who went into the land. There, there, was, there was eight that came back and said, yes, the land is good, but we cannot enter. And there was two. Joshua and Caleb that that went and said, yes, the land is like like is like they said, but but we can take it. They they uh, they had faith that in the promise that this land was theirs and they could take it. But in verse in chapter 14, we're now we see that the, the people, instead of going into the land, they rebel against Moses and Aaron. Look at verse number one. It says, when all the congregation raised a loud cry. And the people wept that night and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, remember, these are this. This is the people who have they saw God's deliverance from Egypt. They has they experienced the blessings in the wilderness. God has fed them with manna. God, God turned the bitter water sweet. God gave them water uh, uh, time and time again. And, and look at their response. Says the whole congregation said to them, Would would that we have died in the land of Egypt, or would that we have died in this wilderness? What why is the Lord why is the Lord bringing us into this land <laughs> to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to this is this is these are the people of God that God has for 40 years been doing work after work. Look at how they respond. Would it not? This is hard for us to imagine. Would it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And, and they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Wow. Then Moses and Aaron, this is the response. This is. The, the people are disobeying God. They, they're disobeying God. And look at the response of Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb. Verse number five. Then Moses fell. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephthah, who were among those who spy out the land. Look at how they respond. They tore their clothes. They, they, they tore their clothes. And, and, and they said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land, look, that's what he said, the land which we, which we passed through to spy it, it is exceedingly good. It is the Lord's delight in us. He will bring us into this land and give it to us, the land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. They're, they're not just tell, they're, they've torn Moses and Aaron has fallen on their face. Joshua and Caleb, they have torn their clothes. And they're saying to the people, do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land. They are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them 
and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. This this is this this concern that the writer of Hebrews is saying that we're to have like Joshua and Caleb and Moses and Aaron. We're to have when uh, when we when when we see disobedience, whenever we we see disobedience in, in those who gather with us, it it should bother. We can you can. If, if, if you are truly a believer and somebody's walking in obedience and you can see them do that and you have no concern from them, you never go and pray with them. You never approach them and, and go through God's word with, with them. Then I would say to you, you might not know God. You, you might not be truly a believer, like you say. That, that should be a response when, when, uh, when, when people turn their back to a holy God. That should be if we have the, the respect and awe and reverence for God, when 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 people turn and disobey God, that should concern us. A.W. Tozer said this in regard to to those who don't have this. He said nothing twists and deforms the soul more than a low or unworthy conception of God. This this is this is what the author is warning against. He's saying don't have a low view of God. Don't have an unworthy conception of a holy God. Fear. Let us fear. And, and, and notice the danger. What is it? That he said, let us fear. What is the danger? Least any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. We, we, we must be, we must fear as a congregation. This congregation that the author is writing to, they, they must fear that this, this slow drift into unbelief that they should fear that it can happen, that it can happen to them and it can happen to us. Did, did you get that? Unbelief can happen to us. Sovereign Grace Baptist Church. The author is saying, that unbelief, we should fear because unbelief can happen in, in our midst. And, and to, to battle this, to battle un, to unbelief in the congregation, we, 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 we have to participate in, in this. It, it, battling unbelief, it, it's a community project. It, it, is a, it is a congregational project. It is a congregational response. That we, we, we should be so concerned for one another. We, we, our concern should be that no one in this congregation falls short of the glory of God. That, that should be our greatest concern as a congregation. That, that, that no, one's, no one here falls short of the glory of God. This, this is what the writer has been called to, this, this corporate responsibility. He said in Hebrews chapter 2, he, he says, therefore we must pay, we must pay closer attention to that which we have heard, least we drift from it. This, this is a corporate responsibility that, that, that we have for one another. He says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, take care, brothers, talking to the congregation. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Verse 13, but exhort one another. 
this is a reciprocal, this exhort one another is a re- reciprocal responsibility that believers have to one another. This is a reciprocal responsibility we have for one another is that we are to exhort one another while uh, resort one another as long as it is called today. As long as God has has given us today a day of his grace, we're to exhort one another to to keep running the race, to to keep holding on, to, to keep our hands to the plow. We're to exhort one another because when we stop, then we then then. Then there may be unbelief. There, there may be we we turn away from Christ and 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 go our own way. Then unbelief can creep in and harden our hearts. This this is a corporate responsibility. It, it we we should mo- we should be motivated to to come alongside each other, and and, uh, and 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 put our arm around our brother and sister and say persevere to the end, make it across the finish line. Never give up. We can do this. We can pray for one another. We can, we can we can go and say we can we can get into the Word of God together. But this is our responsibility. That it, beloved, it would be shameful to stand before a holy God and 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 see someone in. The, and I know this is this this is this is just an analogy to see someone that that we know that was in this building with us. Worshiping God in hell. We there there is no time to play church, beloved, is what I'm saying. We're not here to play church because the consequences are serious if one rejects the gospel. And notice that the writer, he said, least any of you should seem. This word seem means to, means to give in a, to give a certain impression, a, a certain a certain impression. The, the people of Ex, the Exodus appeared to believe in God, did they not? They came out of Egypt. They walked through the water. They appeared. They, they appeared to be people of God. They appeared to believe in God. But but it was only an outward form, an outward form of works. They they followed Moses. They 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 were at Mount Sinai and said, "We will obey God's commands." But they 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 fell short in unbelief. And, and and it may be for us today that that some of you here appear to be Christians. You appear to have a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. You may do good works, but we're familiar with Matthew 7, verse 21, where Jesus says to those who was going to come to him and say, Lord, Lord. In Matthew 7, verse 21, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, they, they had a right profession. He says, no one and not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. What is the will of the father? Is that all would believe in the son. And he says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? They did works. They, they, they appear 
to be doing that which the Lord requires and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. Verse 23. And then I then will I declare to them. Wait a minute. They they made a profession. They call him Lord. They're doing works. But Jesus said, I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. They they these individuals never served God or served Christ out of faith. They just did simply works. Like Judas. Judas was with Jesus. He followed Jesus. When, when, when Jesus called him, he followed Jesus wherever he went. He heard Jesus teaching. But that was just an appearance. And so the writer says, least any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. We, we, we don't want anyone to, to give the appearance of having reached God's rest. And notice what he says in verse number two. For the good news came to us. The, 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 the writer says his readers to, to his readers and to us, he said that they've heard the good news. They heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They, they heard the, the preaching of the gospel on a regular basis. And, and he says, for the good news came to us just as to them, to the Israelites. The Israelites heard the good news as well. They heard the good news when the when the uh, the spies came back from the land. And, and they gave a report. They, they heard the good news that it was just like God had promised. But notice what the writer says, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. They, they heard the good news, but, but merely hearing the good news will not save you. Hearing the gospel in the church when I save you coming to church and hearing the gospel, hearing the teaching from the word of God will not save you. What saves the, 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 the good news that the Israelites heard, it was useless to them because they didn't have faith. So this is what God requires of us. Is that we, we trust in him, that, that we have faith in him and what he has done in Christ. It does us no good to come to church and hear that Christ saves and never trust in Christ who saves. It doesn't do us any good. It doesn't do us any good just to hear it over and over again. Because the people of Israel, they, they, that revealed that they really didn't believe. They, they, they didn't really believe God who delivers. And, and I ask you the same day, same, same thing as, as, as the, the writer's asking. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do, do you hear the gospel? Have you have you responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you responded with faith in Jesus Christ? Because God's rest is offered to you. Look at verse number three. How do, we're talking about rest, the rest that the, the Israelites had in the land of Canaan, the rest that the gospel brings. But but who enters this rest? Verse number three, for we have for we who have believed enter that rest. That that is the requirement it is, is, is belief. Belief is the key. We enter God's rest by faith in Christ alone. That's that's how we enter today. 
We, we enter by faith in Christ and his gospel alone. Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. God requires that we respond in faith as he works in our hearts. Acts 4 and 12 says this, And there is salvation in no one else. But there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is belief in Christ is how we enter God's rest. And he adds, for we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, so that there is a rest that still remains. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works was finished from the foundation of the earth. Now, he, the, the author is, is, is helping the, the Hebrew readers to understand that a rest still remains, that, that God promised a rest that was, that was from the foundation of the world. God sworn that there would be a rest. Verse 4, he, for he has said somewhere, spoken of a seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. This points back to uh, Genesis chapter 2, where God himself, Began. And this is where this rest originates, that, that God is, is calling us to. It originated way back in Genesis chapter 2, when God himself ceased to, to, when he ceased from his creation activity on the seventh day. And if you go back and look at Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse, verse number 2, you'll, you'll see that it says, and God rested on the seventh day. But the difference in the seventh day is that there is no morning and evening on the seventh day. This rest that God himself had was an eternal rest. It wasn't a rest. Uh, if you go back and you look at the first six days, it says there was evening and there was morning. But if you go to the seventh day, there is no evening or morning. And what does it point to? That God's rest, it is an eternal rest. It's not that, and this rest on the seventh day, this rest that the author is talking about here, it's not that God is, is idle. We know that's not true. Isaiah 40, verse 28 says, Have you not heard, known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. God is, God is he doesn't grow weary. Uh, uh, Jesus said in John 15, verse 17, he said, my father is working until now and I am working. God, God, God is working. But what is it that he he sees from on, on the seventh day? It was the work of creation. The, 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 the seventh day is, is unique. It's, it's, it's ongoing. It, it, it's, a, it's a rest that it's, a, it's an eternal rest that that the author is pointing to the eternal rest that God gives in Christ Jesus. Verse five, it says, and again, this passage said, they shall not enter my rest. This is pointing back to Psalm 95, that the last verse, uh, verse number 11. It, it, it says, even though there was a rest that God had in, in, in creation, there, there remains a rest. He says in, in Psalm 
95, they shall not enter my rest. And so the writer is saying that there is still a rest that remains and, and that rest is offered to us. Verse number six, he says, so therefore it remains for some to enter. That in, in spite of Israel's failure to enter the, 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 the land of Canaan, uh, a rest still offered to us who are the readers to, to come in and to enter that rest like Joshua and Caleb. He goes on saying that those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because disobedience. The, the, this, and what the author is doing is saying that there's still a rest that remains. Uh, verse number seven, again, he appoints a certain day today, uh, saying through David so long afterward in the, in the words already qu quoted today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This is again quoted from Psalm 95. And, 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 and it points to the fact that, that there's a day that it, it is today, uh, today that God offers this rest that, that, that he is, he has offered uh, to us as his people. And he says, okay, let me give you a reason in verse eight, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. If, if Joshua, who led the, the, the people of, of Israel into the land of Canaan, uh, if, if that was the end, there would not be another day. That there would not be a today that the author keeps saying over and over again. Today, today, today. Why? Because the, the rest that Joshua offered, that, that when he took the people into the land of Canaan, it was only temporary. It wasn't the ultimate rest which God had provided for his people. This is this is a, the, the rest of Canaan was a type of rest. It's a type of rest that we will, if you're a believer, it is a type of the heavenly rest that we will have when we go to heaven, if we endure to the end. So he adds in verse nine, so there, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now, this Sabbath rest, there's many ways that people have interpreted this. But I, I just want to uh, say that uh, just think about the, the people of Israel and, and their tendency to to be satisfied and, and not uh, like you, you think about uh, the, the, the people in Jesus' day, that they thought that the, the, particularly the Pharisees and the Sadducees thought that they had arrived. That, that that there was a that there was that they had accomplished the work that that God demanded of them, but this 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 Sabbath rest uh, here. Uh, matter of fact, there was a one author said that some of the Hebrews uh, may have complained that God's people already entered God's rest when they entered Canaan, and he said that some may have thought that there was no need for belief in Jesus to enter God's rest because they were already there. And there was there are some that, that believe that that they've already arrived. And so the, the authors counters this objection, teaching that the rest of Canaan is just a type. It's an eternal, it's a Sabbath rest. It is a spiritual rest. It's a spiritual rest for God's people. Uh, it, it's a spiritual rest for those who are united in Christ. It is, it is a spiritual rest for those who trust in Christ and persevere to the end. Like the Apostle Paul 
said in Philippians 3, verse 7, he said that uh, he pressed towards the works, uh, the pressed toward the high calling in Christ Jesus. And so verse 10 says, for whoever has entered God's rest has also entered, has also rested from his works as God did from his. Verse number 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So there's a rest that, that God has given to us. Uh, he, he, is, he is given to us in Christ Jesus if we endure to the end, if we trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, if, if we rest upon the, 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 the finished work of Jesus Christ and endure, persevere to the end, we will have the rest that God offers. So as I conclude, we ought to fear that that someone who gathers with us does not reach the heavenly home. We should fear that there are apostates among us who do not enter the rest of trusting in Jesus Christ. We, we, we should fear that. We, we, that should be our greatest concern. Should be the greatest concern when we pray. Should be the greatest concern when we gather together. We should fear that someone does not make it to the heavenly home. Amen? Let us pray. Father, this was one of the most challenging sections of scriptures that I've had to deal with. But to sum it all up, what you are calling us to do is to, to not follow the example of the people of Israel who has seen your mighty works, who had experienced the, the blessings, uh, the daily blessings from you. The, the writer is saying, do not imitate the Israelites. The writer is saying that the gospel has been preached to us. We have seen the, the works of Christ uh, on the pages of Scripture. We have seen the, the, the description of the person of Christ on the pages of Scripture. We, we have seen the work of Christ in the heart of people even here today. And the writer is saying, do not turn away from the evidence that you see of Christ's work, the evidence of, of who Christ is as he is revealed in the Scripture. The writer is saying, do not turn away from this. Do not turn away from Christ. Embrace him and run the, the, the Christian race of faith in him until the end. That, that, that this is a work that we're called to do. We, we're, called to have a, we're, we're called to have a corporate responsibility to, uh, to ensure that we all make it. That we all, it's, all, it, it, it's almost like when I, when I think about this, I, I think about somebody on the battlefield who has a, a wound. It, 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 those who are on the battlefield, if someone is wounded, they move toward that wounded individual. It should be the same with us. If there is someone who is, is walking in unbelief, we should move, we should move to them, fearing that, 
that, that they will one day experience spiritual death. So, so help us, Father, to have this kind of concern for one another. Because this is the evidence that, that we that we uh, have a, a, a that we are awed by you, that, that we have a, a reverential fear because, because of your holiness. I thank you, Father. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.